Man! Gabe Vincent says, hero who? Monty Williams secures a bag in Detroit. And Kyrie Irving must be burning so much sage right now. I'm Rosa Panda, this is a clinic, all NBA podcasts. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good, feeling great. How about you? Man, I'm feeling good, man. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Doing good, man. Always good to be here. Yeah, boys, we just... We have to talk about this game, too, of the NBA Finals, where the Heat took down the Denver Nuggets 111 to 108. And for majority of this game, it really felt like the Denver Nuggets like had things under control, you know, controlling the pace. Jokic was able to do some things. But then all of a sudden, during halftime, it seems like the Miami Heat started to figure some things out. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, bruh. What were some of the Game 2 adjustments, or at least notable Game 2 adjustments, that you guys feel like kind of swung this game the other way? Well, so, to start, look, let's look at when Denver was on offense, and I want to fully credit our third hooligan for noticing this as much as anyone, John, who's not uh, on the pod tonight. Yeah, man, shout out. It seems like the if there's a John. best way to defend Denver, it's uh, making Jokic more of a scorer than a facilitator. And he went nuts in this game scoring-wise. He had 41 points, only had four assists. And I think part of that is the way that Miami adjusted defensively. Part of it also is just there were some bad shooting nights. Michael Porter was horrendous in this game. Awful. Yeah, Jamal Murray just didn't (laughs) shoot it that well until about, I want to say, the third quarter. Uh, I believe yep. Bruce Brown didn't shoot that great either. So I think it was a combination of both, but they definitely seem to want to make him more of a score first player in this game. I think Denver will adjust to that. Offensively, honestly, I just I saw a lot of regression shooting-wise going the other way for Miami. I mean, Struess was 0 for 10 in game one. Uh, he, I think, started this game 4 of 7. Gabe Vincent was nuts in this game. I almost think the regression went too far the other way. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if it's fully sustainable. Uh, I noticed that Miami had a 189.5 offensive rating in the fourth quarter, which would be the best in the league in the fourth quarter of any game this year. Uh, They only managed 86 possessions between the two teams, I think, throughout the game, which is an extremely low number. They were just insanely efficient. So I think there's going to be some regression going the other way, but those are the main two things that I noticed was just Miami shooting regressing and Jokic being more of a scorer. So JJ, um, Eric Spolstra was asked about, you know, turning Jokic into more of a scorer than than someone who like distributes the ball and etc. And Eric Spolstra said this. He said, yeah, that's a ridic- that is ridiculous. That's the untrained eye that says something <laughs> like that. This guy is an incredible player, et cetera, et cetera. Is Eric Spolstra just kind of hiding what he's really doing here? Is this gamesmanship? Or do you think Eric Spolstra is actually speaking truth here? Like, like that wasn't what they were planning on doing. It just ended up happening that way. I think it's a little bit of both, man. You want to play gamesmanship? He learned from the best, Pat Riley. Remember, Pat Riley did the exact same thing with the Lakers and the Knicks, but to a point, I'm gonna make an analogy with you two, okay? You guys are, I feel like my friends, my family, you guys are really intelligent people and pretend that you guys study all night for a test and you you get a 100% 
And then John comes along and says, Oh, I guess that test was pretty easy, huh? You just had to do this. So in some ways, I feel like Spolstra wanted to have that response because his team prepped, he prepped, and it showed on the court. So some strategies that we saw on the court from the Heat, they went into zone, but with their zone, it was kind of weird because it was a 3-2, but they kept denying Jokic on the inwards pass off the top which really made it hard for Jokic to be the heliocentric hub because we all know that Jokic is the hub of the offense, right? So if you let just Jokic catch it down low, not really pass it to anyone else, no one could get hot. And there's a quote that you always said, Jun, like when you keep passing the ball, what does that, what does that have? Energy. It's energy. Everyone feels good. If you, even if you touch it for a second, and I think we could all relate. Like Sammy, I think you could relate when you play a pickup ball. Even like you don't even even to touch it for like you don't need to James Harden it. You could just touch it for a quick <laughs> two seconds, and you're like, oh, I feel part of the team. And when you do that, your players feel like they're part of the whole squad. Last night, when you had, for example, MPJ. And Gordon and uh, KCP not touching the ball, not getting good looks, it showed. So that's what I saw. And the last thing that I really loved was that they didn't double Jokic. Right. And we said this in the pod before the series even began, which is let Jokic get his, which is what Draymond did last year when they beat the Nuggets. And in fact, not to pat ourselves on the back, this morning, Draymond said, hey, Spolstra, listen to what we were saying, let Jokic get his. And even Mike Brown had a tweet today from Tim McMahon um, saying that we didn't let Jokic double, let him get his 50-50. He's most effective getting everyone else involved, therefore limiting that energy. Yeah, and they ended up playing a ton of zone this game. And that's sort of like the secret sauce of the zone that like JJ was talking about, where, you know, you only really have one person committed to Jokic, and then you're trying to shut down everyone else around him and cause, you know, outside jumpers. But you have a ton of these players on the Heat team who did a really good job at closing out on the perimeter to cause tough shots, even though Michael Porter is like, what, like six foot nine or however tall he is but it seemed to still kind of bother their shot and it was there's proof in the pudding in the stats here where they did not shoot very well let's see michael porter jr he was one for six not a good game from him are we worried about michael porter jr at all this series not yet I always, I always <laughs> okay. say that. I'm I'm <laughs> starting to worry a little bit. Here's the reason I say I know that. He's, he's like finicky, you know, in these tough tough moments. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think, though, it's very clear that he's a kid who still hears the media, he's online, and he's going to get ripped. And I think that's actually going to cause him to come out in game three with a much better game. I mean, it was weird because he came out in this game. I believe he had four rebounds in the first eight minutes of the game, for example, which he should because Miami is far smaller than them. And the rest of the game, he had two rebounds. And 
The other thing with him is normally, even if he's not shooting it well, he'll still shoot a lot, which I, I don't mind that. I think you should if you've got the looks. He took, I want to say, 15 shots in game one. He only took eight shots in this game, only to playing 26 minutes. And it almost just felt like he wasn't in the flow of the game from the beginning. It was, it was very weird. I think he'll come out with a much better performance overall in game three if we come back here and five points is seven points and five rebounds instead of five points and six rebounds. I'll eat my words on that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm slightly concerned, but I don't think we have to sound an alarm just yet, personally. JJ, so Gabe Vincent had an incredible game, a good game, let's say. You know, he scored 23 points. He was shooting 66.7% from the arc. Do you think this is going to be sustainable from Gabe Vincent, or do you think we're going to see a drop-off from the next game? What I'll say is that we all know that on road games, role players do not perform well. What Gabe Vincent has going is they're going home to Miami where the crowd will be nuts. Right. We're going to, and if he doesn't do well, Jen, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, Sammy said in the last pod, the return of his favorite player. And who would that be? The return of my favorite player, Cody yeah. Zeller? <laughs> is it Cody? Is it the masked Not Cody? Cody. He was in White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> Billy Hoyle. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> uh, who do? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm blanking on me on this a little. Who are you talking about? Who's who's supposed to return for Game Three, guys? Oh, Tyler guess, Hero. Oh, Tyler Hero. I'm Tyler sorry. Hero. So. Uh, I guess which I'm trying to bring up our next discussion topic, which is, is this a perfect game for Tyler Hero to come back to? At oh, home no. and the series is oh, one man. and one. My my initial thought is, is not after a win, but what what do you think, Sammy? I'm kind of with you on that. It's, it almost feels like they have this just perfect flow and obviously we only say that because like you said they won the game and they basically won the fourth quarter to win this game they were down and going into the fourth by eight i think we're and we're forgetting that i think you're almost forgetting that but it mm -hmm. just if i bring him back for this game i wonder if this is so hard you're in the middle of the nba finals but do you play him like 15 minutes just to see like and he if he gets going you keep him in and if he just doesn't look like he's flow in the flow of the offense, do you pull him? So, honestly, I think I'd lean no. But that that's a tough call. It's it's a lean even, no, but without a, without a ton of confidence. For me, like even 15 minutes can ruin the flow of your offense or the flow of your team completely. You know, because mm -hmm. you have to get these minutes from somewhere, and that means these rotations are going to be kind of messed up a little bit. And the mm -hmm. only thing. JJ, I want you to comment on this, but apparently Tyler Hero, this is from ESPN's Rose Rose Gold Onwood, he said, Tyler Hero doesn't want to come back and mess up the rhythm of the Miami Heat. What do you think about Tyler Hero sort of thinking that, possibly saying that? Good mentality as a teammate, wrong time to say it. I want super confident no, scratch that. Not even confident. I want cocky coming out the gate 2020 Tyler Hero 
thinking I'm the ish and I'm about to wreck shop and we're not just gonna beat Denver we're just gonna go up through one now that's the confidence that, that I want I love that I love that mentality though but you gotta flip it now man it's not regular season it's not the Eastern Conference Finals it's the finals I agree with you JJ like like Tyler Hero, like homie, like you could say this in private, okay? You could say this to your team in private. Like, hey guys, I'm worried about messing up the chemistry. But in public, what I wanna hear, I wanna say, I wanna hear you say, just wait till I get back. Yes. You know what I mean? Just wait till I get back and watch me smack on these guys. This is a little soft for me. And it's it's really worried. It's worrying me. Because like if Tyler Hero gets out there and all he's thinking about is messing up the rhythm, he's not gonna play well. So you know what, if I'm Spostra and I hear this report and he says the same thing back to me, I'm not gonna play him. I think that's, I don't know, that's just how I feel. Sammy, do you feel sort of the same way or not really? I think so, I mean, it's like you, you guys are saying, this is the part you don't say out loud. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you, you figure this out yeah. with, with your coach, with Coach Spo, he's gonna have a better read on this than you are as a player. Your job as a player, I think, is just get ready to play and have that mentality just be ready to go and if if Spo feels like you're going to help the team he'll put you in he knows he knows well enough he's been there forever if he doesn't feel like the timing's right he's going to tell you that outright he's not going to play a game about it mm-hmm. so just get yourself ready and go from there but like you're saying i i appreciate the fact that he doesn't seem to have the mentality of having to get his no matter what but yeah, I, I just think putting that out there, even if the players won't say it, does it get into their heads a little bit too of yeah. are we disrupting the flow at this point? So I'm with you. You don't want any sort of negativity in that locker room. We're going to switch over to the Denver Nuggets here. I want to play the blame game. I know we're all not blaming Jokic here, but do we place any blame no. on the loss on like Michael Malone? Do you feel like he should have been doing something a little different to get Jokic more of in that facilitator role or do you think that the um the supporting cash should have just been hitting their shots what do you guys think (laughs) i know i'm gonna come off as a hater but i don't mind i think some of the decision making at within the fourth quarter from the nuggets were mind-boggling kcp i think he had multiple fouls when he hit a player going for a three which totally shifted yeah. the momentum of the game. You had Duncan Robinson get hot. Who hasn't even played? He didn't even play for the first three quarters, guys. He comes in and then you're gonna allow him to get hot while Jimmy's on the bench. Okay? And yeah. then I'm, I'm hitting the hammer on the head once again. And I, I know Sammy, you just said it. And I'm really agreeing with you, but my goodness, uh, Michael Porter Jr. It's not just like the the misses, it's the shot selection. We always say on the clinic, when you take the shots, is it timely? And there's like this famous um, graphic that you sent our group chat, Sammy, where you had three open nugget players, which included Marie, Murray and Jokic wide open down low. And guess who's taking a contested mid-range <laughs> shot? Michael. Michael. Not Michael. Not, not this Michael. Michael. Jordan. <laughs> not Jordan. 
Porter Jr. <laughs> oh man, Savvy, well, who are you blaming? I'm, I'm with you though, Jay. I'm with you there. I don't blame Jokic at all. Um, I do think that a bunch of players just miss shots they normally would make. So just going down the line here. Murray almost finished with 18, which he had 18, he had 10 assists. I give him that like by regular season, most players, that's still a fine game. That's not what we've expected from him in the playoffs at this point. He's been amazing. Uh, so he was missing a lot early. I think he didn't really get going until probably about the third. Porter, as we've talked about, was terrible. KCP literally only took four shots in this game. Uh, yeah. So you, you wonder, Bruce Brown played all right, but if you look around at the rest of the team, outside of Aaron Gordon, who had a solid game, even if Jokic isn't getting doubled, these guys still have to find ways to get open. So part of that might be scheme a little bit, like maybe Mike Malone didn't adjust enough, but like we were talking about, they went into the fourth up eight. And it was literally yeah. gone in 90 seconds and one mean mugging Duncan Robinson run out of the out of nowhere, <laughs> which flipped the whole game. Because um, Jimmy didn't even play well. So I look at it. Yeah. I would expect in game three, and I know I was on the last few pods a big proponent of, I personally think Mike Malone's done a great job in these playoffs. I would be shocked if they don't make an adjustment where if Miami is saying we are not going to double Jokic, if they run a lot of off-ball screen or something different to get Jokic matched up against a smaller player to force the Miami to make a decision. Either come double him, or he's going to end up with a smaller guy than Bam on him. Yeah. And we'll see if they make... That's the adjustment I anticipate. But I'm looking at blame. It's it's funny that some people will blame Jokic. I don't think anyone on here will. When he had 41 and 11. Because of the yeah. level of insane play we've seen from him. So... I think it's more of a supporting cast thing, and I will also say that I think Murray comes out and absolutely goes nuts next game. I think at minimum he has 30 points, personally. Uh, so I, I expect to bounce back. I'm also going to blame Mike Malone. Um, first of all, you know that the Heat's going to come with a the zone. They've been doing this, right? You also had a week and a half off to prepare for the Miami Heat and True. their zone. And it doesn't seem like you have any good answers for it. You're just like, oh yeah, Jokic will just like figure this out. But right. we need something more than that, Mike Malone, especially since you've had so much time to just figure that out. Uh, it, it, it's beyond me. And did you guys see that little slow-mo replay of Gabe Vincent where he hits the three where, where um, God, what's his name? Christian Braun is like sagging way too far off of him. And he gives that kind of like nasty look at like Christian Braun, like, you just left me that wide open. Why is Christian Braun playing crunch time minutes in a game in the NBA Finals? That is beyond me. They're trying to catch up at this point. Why is Christian Braun in there? I don't understand that. So Mike Malone, I'm blaming you. Sounds like the most of us are. I want to ask you guys now, do you guys still have confidence in your Nuggets gentleman sweep take? that you guys had before this series started? Because you both said Nuggets in five. So, <laughs> so funny enough, I wanted to actually comment on that too. I I still think the Suns in five, and I will eat my words if I'm Ooh, wrong in okay. game three. Maybe I'm overblowing my confidence on that side that 
it was just one bad game, but I think Malone has some kind of adjustment. I think Murray and Porter both regress back to their more standard level of play. And I also think, I, I get that Miami has had these hot shooting games here and there in the playoffs, but they literally shot 50% from deep in this game. I just don't think it's sustainable on, on that side. And I'm not I'm not saying Miami's a fluke. They're not. They've been an amazing squad, but this, this playoff run, but I just think Denver has been far better than everybody else. And I'm not going to have one game where Murray was off and uh, they didn't quite adjust in time in the fourth quarter tell me to shake the entire tree and change up what I was thinking the whole time. So I still like Denver in five. I will stand by it. Mm. There are Heat fans listening. Feel free to come at me or rip me apart if I'm wrong, but that's what I'm going with for now. Just as a quick little like stat here, the Miami Heat for these playoffs, collectively, they are shooting 40% from three. So that's, Which that's very is impressive. Really? Dang good. So, but can I can I counter that then? If they shot forty percent from three in this game, they would have lost the game. That's how much it would it would. That's true. Regress like even if they regress to an incredible percentage of forty percent, that would be what two less threes or three less threes in this game. They yeah. would have lost. So that that's why I'm just saying I think they'll regress back to even forty percent. But I don't think Miami shooting forty percent is good enough to beat this Denver team uh, consistently by any means. JJ, are you taking Dang. it back? Are you taking it back? My my heart really wants the Heat to win. And there was a stat that I read that the Heat have been underdogs 20 out of the 22 games that they were in for the playoffs. Wow. And I hate to bet against them, but I'm not going to go with the gentleman sweep. I'm gonna go game six nuggets. But I'm cheering for the Heat. So Heat fans, so, somewhat kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, were the two games when they were up 3-0? It must have been it must have been those two Probably, games. Probably, right? yeah, man. That's crazy. That they That's were insane that they were that they underdogs were... all the way through, pretty much. Against Boston, they were underdogs in I think in every game. Game, game four and five? Oh, no, in every game still? You said they weren't underdogs in two games? For two, two games. games in the playoffs. I think, no, they were favored in game four by one and a half. And then game five, they were dogs again because uh, that game was back in Boston. Oh, uh, okay. So most likely they were favored in four and maybe in six because they weren't favored against Milwaukee at all. But then they might have been favored against New York. It's hard to gauge at this point. I can't recall for yeah. sure. Totally. Well, at I'm... best, they were they were favorites in one game against Boston. Two at best, but I think it was one. Crazy. I'm still going Heat and Six. I feel like it's gonna happen. Spo, man, Spo needs to get paid. We'll talk about that later. I'm gonna talk about our next topic here. So, Shams, our friend Shams, he tweeted, Kyrie Irving has reached out to Lakers star LeBron James in what? attempts to see if James would come to Dallas. Irving is a free agent this offseason. Do you guys think there's any traction to this? Any traction to one, that Kyrie Irving actually did do this. And then two, that LeBron James is even considering going to Dallas. What do you guys think? Oh man. Where's John? Where's John when you need him? I'll, I'll ask, <laughs> let me, let me, 
let me ask you guys a question, which is... Does LeBron need to accomplish anything left in LA? He won a chip. He's got one. So he has, I, Does he need to maybe establish himself in Texas? He's done Miami, which is the oh, East Coast. He's done the West Coast. You're saying big market tour. Yes. Ohio, Midwest, maybe the last state, which is Dallas. I see where you're coming from. I also just, I wonder if he just, I think he's just going to settle in LA though, because now I mean, I would, yeah. in school there, the oldest just committed to USC. I just threw off court reasons he doesn't want. If he was on court and this was 10 years ago, I, I would agree with you. But I just think at this stage in his life, he's more inclined not to. But I can see where you're coming from with it. If, uh, since Bill Simmons had that, like, his predictions that Draymond would join Dallas, and they have Draymond, Kyrie, and Luka, you think maybe there's a cap influx right with the new tv deal would you guys think there's a let's just say does dallas have a legit chance of winning a chip with those four if they had those four sure i mean there's just that's so much talent like you just have to figure out who's handling the ball and how yeah. fast you can flip Kyrie after you realize he's not going to work with them for the first 25 games. <laughs> I, also, um, I also need a report from the LeBron James of feet. Like, like how are his feet doing? Yeah, yeah let, let's check in it, with... It did not look good, this this playoffs. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. What were you saying? So, I mean, that's just so much talent that you would assume so. But the other side of this, like Kyrie trying to bring him in, is he's not a free agent. This would have to be a trade. And... As much as any team would be enticed by the Davis Bertrands, Maxi Kleber, Reggie Bullock trade package, I just don't think they have the assets to get him. No hatred hey, and, on those and three And the dudes. number 10 pick, okay. The number oh, yeah. 10 and, pick and is also in pick, there. You know, throw in every rookie they have on the roster, but man, Dallas has been mismanaged the past decade. Like, Shark Tank is getting more love than the Mavericks are right now. I'm just going to be real with you. Just, just based on the assets on the team, they've got nothing to trade outside you of the 10 pick and Josh Green. Yeah, so. and, and the way that like the new um, the new rules of the CBA kind of limit like how how many people you could sign or how much money teams could spend, mm -hmm. that roster would look so expensive. Especially if you consider like like Draymond joining that team as well or something like that. Well, yeah, it's like just, I don't know how they would even make that work. They they um, can't. Um, I just yeah, I just think this is. Is this a little reverse psychology with Kyrie trying to get to LA somehow? That's the other thing I've seen. Mm. What do you guys think of that rumor? You think it was like one of those things where like Kyrie reached out, but he was really he was really hoping for like the LeBron James response, like, you should come to LA. Yeah. But like LeBron James just like leaves him on red or it's like, I'll think about it. I'm good. Um, <laughs> your response with so how are the kids? <laughs> or he gives them the K. Just well, K. I mean, so honestly, there's been rumors that the Lakers want to use D'Lo in a sign and trade. So I oh. wonder if there's okay dual sign and trade possibilities here, and that's what Kyrie's actually thinking. If he's thinking that far ahead. Yeah. Mm, but, interesting. Yeah. JJ, do you think a Irving LBJ? Draymond Luka team wins the chip. 
I don't know, man. I think that combination of superstars and top being it top heavy, it's hard to bet these days in the NBA. Because we've seen how many teams fall because of that. The Nets, yeah. the Suns. Sorry, I'm like kind of bashing all of KD's teams, but I guess that <laughs> <laughs> epitomizes no, it's what happens though. when you trade your depth for top-end talent, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanna that is not a young top-end talent either outside young. of Luka. So. Yeah, agreed. Um, and with that, we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of consistently losing your bets on unfair gambling apps? Our sponsor, Parlay Play, has the best lines to increase your chances at winning it big. Not only does it have great lines, it's also an awesome app with a community feel. Use code Clinic All NBA for a deposit match up to $100 and a free $5 game on the house. They also have a new feature called Slide the Line, where users can raise or lower a line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now. Download wow. the app indeed. We have to talk about, of course, Ja Morant. Where is Ja? So Adam Silver had this to say. He said, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information. We probably could have bought it, brought it to a head now, but we've made the decision and that would be unfair to these players and these teams to announce that decision in the middle of this series. He's talking about the NBA Finals. Chill out. Kind of ironic that he says that because I mean, with all that, everyone's going to talk about it, right? Everyone's going to be distracted by this. And with that, apparently there's this report um, by SI or um, Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. He says that he believes that, or ri- rather, rival executives believe that half a season or more isn't out of the question for John Morant's suspension. You lose. Half a season. So we're talking about 42 games unpaid. Now with John Morant, you know, flashing a gun on Instagram now, what, twice? Do you guys think this is excessive or like the right amount of suspension, like around half a season? I feel like there's still more to this story, which obviously Silver has implicated that we don't know. Because the actions in and of themselves are the height of stupidity, frankly. But if it was just flashing a gun on IG twice without any known acts of violence, I don't think it would warrant that big a suspension. But it feels like an accumulation of, I think it was that Foot Locker, was it Foot Locker? Yeah, we had that yes. incident. Mm-hmm. That the the basketball game at his house, these two things, and I think there's more to it. When Silver says additional information and a fair amount, I just think there's there's an underbelly to this that we don't know about that's going to justify a huge suspension like this. So, if it was just the subject matter we were talking about, I think 20 to 25 would have been closer. But I think there's more to the story that we're gonna find out either directly or indirectly, whether it's just reporters leaking things or the NBA almost justifying whatever they hand down, whatever that ends up being. That, that's kind of the read I'm getting on this personally. But what do you so guys you're, think? You're saying oh, that if if Adam Silver, like all he found out was, yes, those guns were both his mm-hmm. and nothing else, you think 20 to 25 games. 
is where I, it should stand. I think so. Like, so there was all, there'd obviously be some additional information we need to know. Are they actually his legally? Are they registered to him where he's not breaking any laws? Gotcha. Things of that nature. I think that ties into it. If they aren't and he didn't acquire them legally and then there's information linking to that, I think that's where you're opening the door to say, okay, now we've got legal issues in addition to that and just allegations that this employee of the league has been participating in stuff that can damage the league's image. I think that's where this goes, personally. JJ, kind of thinking about like the NBA's past with like suspend, suspend, uh, sorry, suspending players. You could bring up Gilbert Arenas if you like. Um, do you think this is the appropriate amount of suspension? See, it's hard for me to gauge because actually I'm giving props to Sam because before the pod he mentioned how many games Gavarinas was suspended for for actually bringing firearms to the practice facility and what was the total amount, Sammy? 50. It's about 50 games. 50 games. So John Morant, quote unquote, did not break any laws that we know. But there is what they call like a moral obligation for to the public. I know JJ Reddick has mentioned it. Um, I know Stephen A. Smith, who was on the Rich Eisen sh- show, also stated that when Stephen A. talked to executives and people of John Morant's camp, they feel that John Morant may not be in the league in five years due to all this trouble. So for for me, if I'm Adam Silver. It's hard for me to give this guy more than 42 games because he's a superstar. But, and this is a huge but, the issue is that you're now a global brand. This is not the NBA's, like when the NBA was exploding during the 90s, here's the rumor and I'm sure all of us know about this, but Google it kids. Jordan, when he did quote unquote retire, after his three-peat, it was rumored that what? Can you guys give the audience the heads up? What, what was the rumor? Gambling suspension. Gambling suspension. Yep. That, he, that he had all this trouble with gambling, so he took that break. John Morant has had multiple offenses within a month's or year span. Right. And he, and basically, you lied to Adam Silver's face. Yeah. This is what I... I wouldn't be surprised if it's half a season. And and here's why. I, I think the first time he got suspended, what, it was like eight games. I'm pretty sure that John Moran was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm doing stuff to get better. I'm going to go to rehab for five days, which is ridiculous. Um, but also, the Grizzlies probably told... Adam Silver, like, hey, we're keeping a close eye on him. Like, he is, in fact, going to these counseling programs, et cetera, et cetera. And now that, you know, so shortly after, they have to deal, or Adam Silver has to deal with the same problem. I almost feel like Adam Silver is feeling sort of vindictive here, or he feels like a dummy, yeah. right? Like, if, if I'm the boss, I feel like an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. For this happening again. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's surprising at all that it might be 42 games, even though Gilbert Arenas got suspended 50 games, just because like this was a repeated offense that literally happened, I feel like in like a month, 
it was not long at all before John Morant messed up again. So I'm, I almost think that this thing is going to happen, even if there isn't like more additional information. Does, am, am I out of line here in thinking this, or do you guys sort of agree with that? I agree. I, so here's the thing. Adam Silver has kind of in a way said that there is more information that they know. I just don't know if we're ever going to know what it is he's talking about. So, mm. Yeah, so I think you're right in that it could come down that way without us ever knowing anything else other than what we already know. Um, I could see that happening too. I, right. So, I, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I mean, <clears throat> it's a bad look for uh, the commissioner of the game. And now yeah. he might respond in a big way. Yeah, it, it's a bad look and... <sighs> What I I hate to compare, but it's so comparable when we see musicians, you see them like going to rehab, and then the record record labels still release their albums, send them to concerts when they should really be taking a pause and focus on themselves. And the tragic story of you guys know the band Sublime, where the lead singer Bradley, the was working on this album they knew about his drug problems but then they kept pushing him to go on tour make a new album and right. eventually like his addictions came back and i think adam silver how is adam silver i'm gonna ask you guys this how would adam silver look if they only suspended john moran and there was a crime or an offense that was five times worse than what he just did He's just going to look worse, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, I'm going to take us to our next topic here, though. Adam Silver had some other news to drop in the same interview. He said that um, the collective bargaining agreement is going to include a possible expansion to get done in like the spring of 2024. And I, I want you guys to kind of give us your predictions here. If we had like the next international team which which team would you think or where where would it be i know that like vegas has like odds for like paris and stuff like that but what do you guys think i think it's i'm just gonna say the easy answer the easiest answer would be vancouver agreed right because there's no adjacent team other than portland Seattle's not there, so they're gonna go international and they don't have Seattle, go to Vancouver, which Sammy, I'm sure you're gonna lead to what's been heavily rumored and where they have games next year, which is where? Uh, Mexico City. Yes. <laughs> Mexico City, and what, what, do you th what do you guys think about that? Sammy, is that, is that your choice? You I just Mexico think a City lot team? of players are gonna have some issues. <laughs> with being based out of there is all I'm saying because I, it's not met with any sort of hate it's just it's a very different environment for a player to go to rather than Vancouver which is a 30 minute ride away or an hour ride away from coming back into the US if you want like yeah logistically it's, it's different massive, it's logistically yeah, it's a it, massive it really adjustment is. yeah and that's the concern I have there we will say that um yeah. so i i think vancouver logistically makes sense if you want to canada makes the most sense i think if you're gonna go because you have a lot of cities that are easier for travel wise like they've made it work in toronto vancouver worked before but at that time the northwest was a little saturated which is why they ended up moving 
uh, in the first place. I know it's not ever considered a basketball town, but I guarantee if you put a decent product in front of a Montreal crowd, they would actually get very into it mm, as yeah. well. So I would imagine we go north first. Uh, if they do choose to go international, that Vancouver is the one that by far makes the most sense to me too. I'm with JJ on that. I completely agree. I mean, like just travel wise, they, these players have to travel so much. Vancouver makes the most sense. So just put another team in Vancouver, or sorry, in um, in yeah. Canada. Yeah. And so with an expansion coming, which two cities do you think are going to be added? So the rumors are Las Vegas, Seattle, Mexico City, Vancouver, Kansas City, and Louisville. What do you guys think? So I know that I'm talking to a couple of gentlemen here who are huge 49er fans and don't think too fondly of certain things in the Northwest, like Seahawks. <laughs> but that being said, you have to put the Sonics back in Seattle. You do. I mean, as much as I personally, like selfishly, would want a team in Vegas, yeah, I think you have to start in Seattle. You gotta Ooh, put the Sonics yeah. back there. You would go Seattle yeah. before Vegas? I would because they have a fan base there and the only reason that team ever left to begin with was because of a very greedy owner and the fact that they couldn't get funding for a stadium. That's the only reason they left them in the first place yeah. and went to OKC. And to give the NBA credit on that, I didn't think OKC was gonna be the market that it is, but that's a great market and it has been. But I, th I think you gotta bring back the Sonics and from there, I sincerely hope they have a team in Vegas because I used to go there all the time when there was no sports there. And now you've got pretty much NHL, NFL, you throw NBA in there. I, hell, I might just move. But I think you've got to start with Seattle to begin with personally. Follow-up question. If Seattle does become a team, that's, that's part of the expansion. Does Kevin Durant ask for a trade there? Can I do that? Oh, well, uh, which there has which to be is... uh, three other upcoming Hall of Famers. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and I don't think, uh, and I don't think Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, and Detlef Shrimp count. So it's got to be. Uh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Gary. Hey, you know what? Maybe they'll bring Gary Payton from the Bay, GP two, and and then Katie will want to go. And then maybe Westbrook. Um, JJ, what do you think, man? I mean, the obvious is like Las Vegas, Mexico City, Vancouver, but I'm going to throw um, a Homer recommendation based off one of my favorite cities where actually my boy Sammy's from. How about San Diego? Yeah, that's a good one. Stern or Sterling, Sammy's favorite owner of all time, moved the Clippers <laughs> out of san diego mm -hmm. i think san diego deserves a basketball team since their rips got hard, uh, ripped out ever since the chargers moved san diego and seattle yeah that'd be dope that I would like be that. oh i would love that i i'd maintain my clipper fandom because i couldn't abandon them but i'd still get season tickets to whoever came here the san diego sonics or whoever it may be uh, Kawhi would demand a trade immediately so that he could stay here and yeah. not have to you know live in one of the other two or three places during the season and harden would request a trade to las vegas um for our next topic here man monty williams got paid record-breaking six-year 78.5 million dollar deal 
And there's rumors being spread around by Adrian Wojnarowski saying that this is going to like cause a huge bump in salary for coaches. Like Eric Spolstra being projected to make 20 million a year for his next contract. And it's going to have like impact on also like Steve Kerr. Both are around like 8 million annually right now. I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think of like these coaches getting paid this much? You guys have an opinion here? Dang, man. This is kind of crazy that, I mean, coaches deserve to get paid. But all I could think of are now the NCAA coaches about to get paid 30 to 40 million a year. Because usually they set the benchmarks. Right. Um, yeah. They have to I go mean, out there and recruit and yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, that's just how the game is with the coaching and, uh, and college. But I mean, props to the coaches. Uh, they're the, the players are the product on the court though. So is it reasonable that the coach makes more than 10 out of the 15 players? My next question. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from completely. I am all for this though, just because there's no cap on on coaching. Yeah. True. The owners True. can spend whatever they want. So if you've got a spo, I see. I, here's the thing with this too for me. I don't think this will necessarily reset the whole market for every coach. I do think it'll establish a very clear elite class of coaches who could almost write their own number. And that'll be Kerr, Spo, Pop, you know, th- yeah, those Doc. guys. So not, so not David Blatt. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Oof, this took a turn. Uh, so, I mean, Doc is gonna get paid, bro. You know that. Doc is gonna get paid, dude. The the coaching you know carousel is running out this season, and I don't see a C for him on it. So. Oh, that's that's true. But, but here's here's the question of the night here. Yeah. So if you're offered to coach a team, you know, for the 23-24 season, and you're going to get paid, you know, $15 million or something like that, which of these teams would you reject? Okay, we're, we're going bottom feeders here. So Pistons, Spurs, Rockets, Hornets, Blazers, Magic, Wizards, Pacers, or Jazz. So Ooh. consider like the roster, the location, management, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to call out uh, a JJ here. Oh, man. I know DC is a cool spot to look at. <laughs> I would go Wizards, man. Um, you would go Wizards? Yeah, I don't have any, like, temptation, desire, nor, like, any, like, inclination to, like, want to coach any of those players, have love for any of those players. Probably Beal's okay, but... I mean, to be honest, the organization hasn't been doing well, and I don't think that city's for me. I might also put Orlando. Those two cities. Talents up and coming. Okay. I'm okay. rejecting those. Okay. Savvy, which which teams are you rejecting here? I've actually never been to the city, so I don't want to judge it. But uh, Charlotte. Thank you, but <laughs> uh, and it has nothing to do with the city. It's 
That team is a hot mess. It's up for sale. And it seems to be the one NBA team that can't get sold right now. <laughs> um, they're number one on my list. Number two, good management, decent roster. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say no thank you to our friends in Salt Lake City. Uh, so I'll, I'll pass on the Jazz, and I will pass on the Hornets. I can justify the other teams <laughs> on this list. Number three on mine was the Wizards, so I'll, but I didn't want to take JJ's there. But that, that was, those would be my, my kind rejections. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through rosters here where it's like. Like Pistons, it's all right. Spurs, you got Wembenyama. The Rockets, the Rockets seem like it's hard to coach. I'm not sure about them. Yeah, you Hornets, could get fired after a year, man. Yeah, seriously. Hornets, I mean, I guess Jordan's out of there. <laughs> so you might have a chance. I'm not sure. The Blazers, I know that, oh man, they, they don't treat their staff very well. Ah, man, I think I think I'm with you, Sammy. I, I'm going to reject the Hornets here. I'm, I'm going to reject. I'm so sorry, Charlotte. <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking heat here. Say, say Portland. I know you want to say Portland. Well, uh, so on the flip, really quick, if you had one choice of these teams, which ones would you take for the same reasons that you would want to be? What's your number one choice? Yeah, number one is reasons? number one is Spurs, dude. Okay. Number, I'm taking the Spurs job, but the other one I'm rejecting though. Mm-hmm. It's Portland. Wow. It's the Blazers. And the reason being is because I know way too much stuff about like the management stuff going behind the scenes. And it's just like they don't have enough support. All right. You know what I mean? I mean, you had Dame Lillard for so long. You could have treated him nicely there, got him some nice pieces, but you wanted to run this Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum thing. I just feel like I'd just be fighting with the GM the entire time. So I, yeah, that's that's where I'm gonna go. Okay. That felt a little personal. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> that felt a little personal. I don't even know what pick, what team I would pick. I guess the obvious one. It's an easy cop out answer. It's the Spurs, right? So yeah. Who knows though, man? We've but... seen so many number one like picks are like turned bust it's like even hard for me to pick i guess i would have to pick the pistons but oh man send me to detroit with that money you might have to put an extra signing bonus on that now see now you want to talk about personal that's personal <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> but for talent i put detroit up there i think Overall, if I'm gonna put in a mix of everything, I'll you know send me a, send me an annual pass and send me down to Orlando. I'll I'll, I'll go there. I'll, oh yeah, uh, nice collection of talent there. A toddler who likes Mickey Mouse. I, I can at least keep him occupied. I'll I'll take Orlando. There you go. I I wouldn't mind the roster on Indiana either, mm. but you know with that, that's actually all we have for tonight's spot, boys. Oh. JJ, I want to thank you for being on there. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you all. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Thanks, man. And we did not mean to offend any residents of Utah, Detroit, <laughs> yeah. Charlotte. We love all of you. We appreciate you. We we will hope you will tune in again after game three, and we will go from the herd. <laughs> it's just a game. It's just a game. Yeah, it's just a game, guys. <laughs>
And of course, shout out to John and shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All MBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All MBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All MBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Kiki.